Welcome to That's Good Sports. I'm Brandon. The Miami Dolphins have the longest winning streak in the AFC East, Perna. That's right. The Dolphins have won two games in a row for a reason. The Jets are on a one-game win streak. The Bills lost, and the Pats didn't play. So right now, for one week, we can say the Jets and the Dolphins have won more recently than the Patriots, who are now desperately hoping Gronk unretires at the end of November. Today, we have the Sunday late games to discuss everything from the Dolphins win, the Steelers getting the coaching job of the century, and uh, the battle of running back elitism between Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. That's good sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They were founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering blue wire at checkout plus free shipping that's indochino.com promo code blue wire for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more an incredible deal for made to measure clothing you really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit unless you put on like 30 pounds of mass gain overnight that's a good excuse the dolphins win them colts And what a confusing weekend for the Miami Dolphins. On Saturday, their presumed number one pick, Tua Tagovailoa, had his toughest test of the season. And all of a sudden, he doesn't even look like the best pick anymore. Maybe it was the ankle injury, but that now belongs to LSU's Joe Burrow as the best-looking college dude, who went on the road to beat Alabama. And the worst part, the Bengals look so shitty that now the Dolphins probably won't even get a chance to draft him, whoever him is. And to make matters worse, they went into Indy and beat the Colts. And I just don't understand it. The goal was to tank. Why are you winning? You pick fourth now, Miami. The Bengals, Skins, and Giants all ahead of you. Miami looks competent, perhaps even good under Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's playing with fire, as you can see on this rushing touchdown in the second quarter. They're also catching all of the breaks. I've watched this interception in the end zone by Miami like 50 times, and I still Still don't know how the fuck that wasn't an Eric Ebron touchdown. Brian Hoyer was laying in the weeds, not smoking the weeds, Chad Kelly, waiting to strike until the second half when he hit Jack Doyle for a touchdown. Then Adam Vinatieri missed an extra point. The sixth of the season, an issue in a game where you lose by four, and another very sad installment in the shaky last chapter of his career. Unless what I've been wondering is true, and that's the theory that Adam Vinatieri is missing these kicks on purpose so he can get released and then join a team that has a huge need at kicker, the New England Patriots. The Colts trailed by four on their final drive, and Brian Hoyer did the most Brian Hoyeriest thing possible and threw the ball eight yards on fourth and ten. Hoyer threw three picks in this game, How much is it going to take to get Chad Kelly in a fucking game here, fellas? I believe he was 
activated off the practice squad, but you threaten to shoot up one nightclub, break into one house after a Halloween party, and drop one dope rap track, and the NFL won't give you the time of day. I'm sorry, Brian Hoyer, if Frank Wright can't fix you, you might be permanently broken. Like my heart, every time I think about Andrew Luck and what he's doing instead of slinging tugs. Steelers on a four-game win streak, winning five of the last six. This one over to Rams. The beautiful block lettering on those Steeler uniforms. It gives me warm memories of my childhood when Neil O'Donnell was clearly throwing the Super Bowl and Bill Cower was lovingly spitting into his players' face masks. A Steelers baptism is what I believe they called that. I don't get the Steelers, though. They really shouldn't be 500. They lost their franchise quarterback to injury, their franchise running back to the Jets, and their franchise wide receiver to himself. And yet, with Mason Rudolph, the team is always still in it and finding a way to win games. People have been burying Mike Tomlin for years because apparently never having a losing record is a bad thing as a head coach. You try and trip Jacoby Jones once, and like Chad Kelly, you are never forgiven. But Tomlin really should be a front runner for Coach of the Year alongside uh, Frank Reich, pre-Brian Hoyer, and John Harbaugh, and maybe Kyle Shanahan right now. Sean McVay was disqualified for Coach of the Year when he signed off on paying Jared Goff $110 million. In this game, though, Blake Bortles did get one rep when Jared Goff was hit and left the field for one play. Bortles did not convert, and then the Rams tried a fake punt and were intercepted. Two defenders making the most dynamic plays seemingly every weekend were both traded this season. Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers and Marcus Peters away from the Rams to the Ravens. Looks like the Steelers made the smarter move. Rams. Peters has three touchdowns this season. Fitzpatrick has accounted for seven turnovers, and I think Minka Fitzpatrick is making a case for Defensive Player of the Year as the Steelers' defense appears to be not shitty anymore. Panthers lose a cold, hard-fought game to the Packers. Snow on the frozen <coughs> tundra. Chris Berman is about to hit octaves lower than any human should be able to hit. Kyle Allen grew up a big Packers fan, so in a loss, it is nice to see he didn't let his job get in the way of his fandom. Everyone was talking about Lamar Jackson's spin move this weekend, but nobody mentioned Kyle Allen's but one GM did say Allen should now try out for wide receiver. This game really swung on one drive. The Packers were backed up on their own end zone when Rodgers fired a ball at the feet of his running back. The official threw a flag, which I initially thought was for intentional grounding. Turns out it was for roughing the passer on Gerald McCoy. And absolutely a terrible call by the officials here is what I would have said had Aaron Rodgers not caught the roughing the passer flag. A QB does that and you have to give him the call. It's the rule and you've never seen Tom Brady do that shit. I haven't. I've seen Tom Brady drop a pass in the Super Bowl. Now McCoy did atone for his mistake uh, uh, of playing defense by slamming Jamal Williams behind the line on the same drive. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman mentioned that Jordan Palmer thought Kyle Allen was better than Sam Darnold and Josh Allen coming out of the draft. And Jordan's on record saying that when he came out, he compared him to Darnold and Josh Allen. He, and he said he didn't know who the best one was. That's right. I Kyle Allen then uh, threw a pick into the end zone on the very next play. 
If I was an NFL player, I would pay the announcers to constantly talk shit about me to achieve maximum anti-jinxery. Well, Joe, we learned in our pre-game interviews that Brandon Perna had to repeat the fifth grade and also received very poor marks in bed, according to every woman uh, and blow-up doll he's been with. And that sack of shit just threw his 11th touchdown pass of the game. Christian McCaffrey put the ball into the end zone. Record me saying that and just played every fucking weekend. It is a guarantee. That was his seventh straight game with the rushing touchdown. The Panthers go for two because for some reason, the analytics say it's the right move there. Now, I recently found out that the analytics told me to do it does not hold up in a court of law, which is a big blow for the defense of the Antonio Brown civil lawsuit. Kyle Allen, even in a loss, led a hell of a game-losing drive where the Packers did the most impressive thing we have seen this season, stop Christian McCaffrey from scoring a touchdown from two yards out. My question for this final play, though, how can you tell where the goal line is? Goal line, white. Snow, white. Christian McCaffrey, white. What is this, a vampire weekend concert in Antarctica? Even if they cross the goal line, there's no way to tell. It's like trying to find a grain of salt in a mound of cocaine. Except, not nearly as fun, right guys? The Vikings beat the Cowboys on Sunday night, 28-24. Like daylight savings time last week, this week we're getting another thing nobody asked for. No, 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 not a another thousand promos for God friending me. It's the Dallas goddamn Cowboys on Sunday fucking night football. Luckily, this game had a second storyline, the highly anticipated Dan Bailey revenge game. Dan, of course, was seeking revenge because Jerry Jones lit Dan Bailey's uncle on fire back in 1977 at the NFC Championship game between the Vikings and Cowboys. And not because the Cowboys cut him. That is my next-gen research stat. This was an impressive win for the Vikings as they won a big game after a bad loss without Adam Thielen starting corner Trey Wayans and their best defensive lineman in Linval Joseph. Plus, Kyle Rudolph was basically unstoppable in the red zone. Two touchdowns and a two-point conversion for the Christmas tight end. Dallas, good enough to beat any team, bad enough to lose to any team. That's just Dallas. They're the Jameis Winston of football teams. Nobody knows if they're really good or really bad. Christian McCaffrey had to play one game in the snow with the pedestrian 141 total yards of offense and one touchdown for Dalvin Cook to move past him as the leader in scrimmage yards on the season. They both have 17 total touchdowns this year and are dual threats running and catching passes out of the backfield and really should be considered the two best backs in the NFL in their own category this season. Cook hasn't had his bye week yet, and Run CMC leads the NFL with 153.9 yards per game to Cook's second place 141.5 yards per game. The crazy part is Cook has Alexander Madison playing behind him, who also averages 4.9 yards per carry and has 389 rushing yards this season, putting him 26th in the league ahead of James Conner and Devonta Freeman and uh, LaShawn McCoy. The Panthers' second rusher is Reggie... Bonifon with 95 yards. My point, 
uh, Christian McCaffrey might be doing just a little bit more with a little bit less on offense. Now the Cowboys tried to get Zeke involved with 20 carries, but credit the Vikings defense for shutting him down with just 2.35 yards per carry, second most of the season for Zeke, and zero touchdowns. Amari Cooper had the kind of sideline catch that if football players could read, they would slap on the cover of the How to Catch in the NFL textbook. Look, the Cowboys made this a game on the arm of Dak hip god Prescott. He was three yards shy of 400 and tossed three touchdowns and just one pick. I have to mention this, Dak Prescott's pregame hip warm-up went viral so fast that the CDC shut down half of the nightclubs in Dallas. Basic protocol when anything below the waist goes viral at that scale. I saw the hip thing live on Sunday Night Football and was like, yeah, that'll be fun to make fun of. And before I went to bed, I was fucking sick of seeing it on Twitter. The next time hips and cowboys are trending, it better be because Jerry Jones killed one of his players, one of his young, healthy players, so he could harvest that player's hip for his very own hip replacement surgery. That's how sick of this hip thing I am already. Tavon Austin may be the most timid punter, punt returner in the league. Uh, he had a fair catch with 25 seconds left in the game where the closest defender was literally 20 yards away, or as the Buccaneers call it, our base defense. Tampa now gives up the most points per game at 31. Uh, had Tavon returned that punt and scored, Cowboys fans would just be bitching about how it was called back for an illegal block in the back. Has anyone seen a punt return where that didn't happen this season? I haven't. Good job, Vikings. Thanks for watching another episode of That's Good Sports. Please subscribe here on YouTube, on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon Perna if you want to talk football stuff to me there. And make sure you follow my writing partner, at Wilkie6. He helps me write Sunday late games footballs. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.